Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I couldn't handle the Harry Potter ride. Oh, which I one? The, close my the eyes. digital, like the one yeah, you wait in line like, for forever? Yeah, no. you're like swinging and you're like on a fake broom. I waited in line with I, I Brian's family. Oh my God. The kids came into town with his mom and sister and it was so hot last July when they were in town or August. I waited in that line for two effing oh, hours. I no. The entire time I was like, I'm going to puke if I go on this. Yeah. So we did single rider and I, so I was separated from my mom and Renee came, my friend Renee. So I was sitting there with these teenage girls and the ride started and I was like, oh, fuck this immediately. (laughs) So I closed my eyes because I'm like, you know, it's the same thing with like plane turbulence. I'm like, it's like a traffic. It's just like a bumpy road, right? Just breathe through Just imagine it's a bumpy road. We're not thinking about being 30,000 feet in the air. It's just a bumpy road. So I closed my eyes and I was like, it's just a bumpy road. We're just swinging back and forth in this weird chair, which it isn't just swinging back and forth. (laughs) It is like whipping you 180 degrees back and forth and make it simulating you're on a broom right so are you like are you strapped in and also holding on or is it like you have to use inner thigh muscles to? well you're not on an actual broom (laughs) but the simulation is that you're on a broom so you go through a quidditch match and you go and you go say hi to everybody oh see i'm like this sounds fun i know it's super fun but i can't i'm nauseous as part of my problem so i'm already naturally (laughs) nauseous i hadn't eaten yet that morning and i get on this ride and it's like Puke city, bitch. Puke, puke city. Welcome to Sidework Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andrea Wallace. I'm Kyle June Williams. Jocelyn Hughes, hi. And Brooke Van Poplin. You guys, all four of us are back in the old pod den. Hells yes, the yeah. It is a pod den. Up in the dizzy. It the is still gray and gloomy and almost July in Dude, Los Angeles. This weather's a little whack, right? This is, I know there's June gloom, but it's just been June gloomy, period. It's May gray, June, June gloom. gloom. Now is it going to be like July cry, then die? <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, the ozone is gone. So, yeah, the sky's not right, and we're all going to die. Brooke sent this article. I think Jocelyn sent it. I reshared. Was it? Yeah. You, Jaws? Oh, yeah. From Eater, LA. Uh, customer watched a rat fall from the ceiling onto her table at Buffalo Wild Wings in Los Angeles. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this week, a rat landed on a table of a Buffalo Wild Wings restaurant in Westchester nearby LAX that fell from the ceiling onto a table of a woman visiting from Texas. Unfortunately, the rat was still alive. No, you gotta see the picture. We'll post the picture. The Uh, rat looks very dead. It looks very much dead. And I think it is from the actual... The actual photo? Yeah, the occurrence. It's just just a curled up little... It's not a very big rat, I will say. So it was not still alive. 
But they said it was. Maybe this it is, went into par- paralysis. This is speculation. Like exactly. It shocked itself. Yeah. NBC well, you know, listed a crew to secure this story at the promenade at Howard Hughes Center. Now, what exactly caused a rat to fall into the restaurant oh. from a fairly high ceiling? Hard-hitting journalism. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the, the manager questions. blamed a construction project. It's very possible, given all the construction at the Howard Hughes Promenade right now, the shopping center needed an updated and is being converted, so it's pedestrian-friendly. And then, you know, when you start digging in the ground, the rats just come out. They apparently. sure do. They so. really do, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call a little bullshit there. Uh, we all lived in New York. Our good friend, Julia Rossi. Rats falling from ceilings. Totally normal occurrence. She, oh, yeah. She had one fall through the ceiling onto the table in a pizza parlor, and then it, like, woke up and got startled and ran out the door, and the owner of the place, everyone was screaming, but the owner of the pizza parlor goes, that's New York. <laughs> Anybody eat anywhere fun this week? Not Jocelyn. God, you oh, want right. a plain hamburger on lettuce. I'm the person to talk to. Kyle, you've been traveling a lot. Any more fun? Any new cities? In Denver, I went to a speakeasy that was through a freezer door in an ice cream parlor. There we go. So we went and got ice cream out in the out in front. It was so, such good ice cream. And then you open, you like, oh my god, Kyle's corner of creamy delight. I know it She's was back, literally, baby. It's my nothing like ice cream and alcohol. I know they were like, do you want to go get ice cream and then maybe have a drink? And I was like, um, sure. And they're like in the same place. And I was like, show me. <laughs> um, but you like open up, you like um, ring a little bell. And everybody was sort of looking at us, and I was like, oh, yeah, we're the cool people who know where the speakeasy is. Um, and you go into the back, and it's this sort of, like, horror movie-themed, like, speakeasy, which I was like, yes, this is my dream. Um, and I ordered a drink called They Live, which if you haven't seen that movie, I mean, yeah, you've seen it. Uh, it's so bad. It's good. Um, but it was just – it was heaven because I was just holding, like, an, an enormous – cone of ice cream in one hand and then like a very strong bourbon <laughs> drink in the other and I was so incredibly tired I was just like this is leave me here leave me here leave me that here. sounds like behind closed doors behavior oh like, yeah you know what I'm saying like well, I, I felt very comfortable good good I'm glad yeah, you yeah, do yeah. you but that sounds like like depression staying in tonight being secretive oh. and eating ice cream and bourbon you know I don't it was nice because other people were doing the same thing and I would it was literally like one lick of ice cream one drink of bourbon one lick of ice cream one oh, drink yeah. of bourbon two, <laughs> two seconds of catnap like. yes. close I, eyes for a minute open eyes back to ice cream and to bourbon that's amazing <laughs> Guys, we have some server-submitted stories to share with you. Thank you, everybody, who has been sending in your awesome stories. We appreciate more. Send them our way. Um, Let's go ahead and get started. Kyle, why don't you read the first one here? Okay, this one's Dead End Girl. That's her uh, screen name. Oh, cool. Sharing a server story. I have a couple good ones for you. I've worked brunch for, well, over five years. So... One of my most asked questions was, how would you like your eggs? 
and I'm waiting on a table of four, mom, dad, daughter, son. Parents had to be in their 50s. Side note, one of my favorite things is how many men don't know how they like their food. So I asked the man, how would you like your eggs? Sunny side up, but not runny. And my response was, so fried. Well, he says, no, no, no. I, I just don't want the white part wet. And my response again was, right. It's not. And then I went on to say, so you want the yolk to be runny, correct? He then looked at his wife and said, the yolk is the yellow part, right? Oh. Oh, gosh. In their 50s? Men. <laughs> Men. Morons. Not you, Brian. You're a gem. Dude, I, you know... Uh, I mean, and here's the thing. They're, eggs, to me, are like a perfect food. You can't really go wrong. I've, I've even turned a corner, and I'm, I'm okay with a hard-boiled, you know? I can oh. deal with a hard-boiled yeah. these yes. days. This goddamn Thank you. man made me the most delightful eight-minute egg that I shoved in my face on the way here this morning. He's very precise about his hard-boiled eggs. Um, they, yeah, yeah. But, dude, yeah, I, I like, please, men... Don't get to a point where you have to ask your wife what things are, you know, because good God. I mean, you you rely on us for everything else and then be like, honey, what am I eating? What is this? I do all this work crunching numbers using my penis. What am I supposed to, where am I, mean, I supposed to store all this extra information in my wife? I guess I'll have to go jerk off to make more room to figure out what eggs are in my brain. <laughs> We got a long one if you're down for it. Jocelyn Hughes. Hey, ladies. You're truly uh, a joy to listen to. I said this many <sighs> times about my fellow friends and servers, but I wish I didn't know you. I wish I didn't know you. Oh, hey, what? Or feel like I know you ever having laughed for hours while listening along so I could be waited on by you and have the best experience. Aw. Second off. Here I thought I didn't have any huge stories to share. I've been working in the craft beer industry for over four years. Ooh, that's like wine industry, I'm into but it. more annoying. But with worse diarrhea. And dominated by men with guts. Okay. Yep. It's all been pretty standard freak fare. From serving self-proclaimed mountain folk who came into the big city for the day, not a full set of teeth amongst the lot... <laughs> Or having people sniff me on an $80 tab, I chased them and chewed them out, and then promptly lost my closing shift, but I don't give a fuck. To having a woman proudly, loudly proclaim she was gluten-free and had celiac while sitting in a brewery only to order a dipa to go with a specially prepared allergen-free meal. But today, oh, today... <laughs> I've been very blessed to manage the bar at a small brewery for the last year and a half. I have regulars I adore, co-workers from my family, and I met my now husband while waiting on him. Aww. Aww. There is hope out there. <laughs> <laughs> the issue with being an integral part of a small community is that customers can get a little too comfortable. And not just the taking off shoes and spitting on the floor. What, what's, what the hell is that? I'm talking about the kind of comfort that makes customers feel so important, so self-righteous, so entitled <laughs> that they argue how we serve our beer and how much we charge for it. I just had a customer who's been walking on thin ice <laughs> with me for a while. Send me a Facebook message, no. a screenshot for the suggested glassware of serving a guest tap beer we have. He asked that I pass it along to the owner as this issue needs to be corrected. Very big problems. Uh. Currently, we serve it in a 14-ounce snifter, larger than the industry standard of 10 to 12 ounces. This is Wisconsin, after all. 
God bless, instead of a 16-ounce pint. This is because that keg costs us more to purchase and thus more to pour. We have to cut back on the serving size to keep our costs low while still making a profit. It's ridiculously cheap to drink very good, often expensive beer at our bar. This is Wisconsin, after all. Okay, I think they're in Wisconsin. <laughs> this guy not only had the nerve to question my pour and price in the first place, but then then go to the rigmarole of lo- looking it up, screenshotting it, <laughs> sending it to me, and then asking me to pass it along to my boss, who's unfailingly generous to his guests. For two ounces, I am livid. <laughs> and so grateful to you, sweet server sisters, for being a voice and outlet for every bartender, waitress, and counterkeeper that's ever had to deal with the audacity of some idiots. Godspeed and good tips, Amanda. Oh, I my God, Amanda. Amanda. Where did I get you, sweet server sister? Sweet server sisters. I love she it. gave us some like terminology or Godspeed and good tips. Adorable. <laughs> I like that. Is that how we end a show? Are we allowed? Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great sign off. Good sign off. Godspeed and good tips. I People really get up in arms about their craft beer. They're very serious about it. I oh. hate when customers cross the line and find you on the internet. Dude. It's just such an invasion of it's like being somebody's doctor. It's like I don't want you to like contact me. No, it, after it's like, after I've after I've seen your your naked body. It's like I've seen who you really are because you've just ordered from me. I don't now think we can be friends. Yeah. That happens to me all the time. Where it's like you've you've not done a good job. Like we had this transaction, but nothing about the way you behaved makes me want to no. pursue a relationship outside these doors. No. Mm-hmm. Also, can we talk real quick? I, I wine snobs are a whole thing, you know. Which, but these new craft beer snobs, it's hell on earth. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like more selection. I really like beer. I have to be careful because my body is changing and it doesn't digest beer or make me as happy as it used to. And I like IPAs a lot, and it's just it's too much. But yes, there's there's a lot of beer snobbery, but I feel like it's calmed down a bit. Um, personally, but I just, you know, it's like if everybody gets to be a snob in their own way, but isn't like a total fucking jag about it, then why not? I what? Think, yeah. I think there's a difference between like being a beer snob and like enjoying the science behind it and wanting to talk about it. Cause I mean, there's same, same, same thing in the wine world and then just being like a beer fucking Nazi and yeah. trying to police other people. Yeah, I would never. I just think it's fun. No. People should just be you're so happy a, that You're a joy to be around at a beer, oh. pla- at a place of beer. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. You make me feel like it's okay to ask for for tastes. You can, like. especially because I'm, I'm my name's on the glass at Tony's, so I get what oh, I want. Oh, snap. <laughs> You've been outed. I don't yeah. know if you know this, but Andrea and Brian are legends at our local beer craft beer watering hole. It's it's in, it, I feel like I'm walking in with like, I don't know, just like the Neil Diamond of wine. It's I'm, of beer. It's so just, funny. We're going to put away the venting and being each other's like great caves to like scream gross server stories into. There's so much good stuff that comes <laughs> along with waiting tables, you know, and like yes. there's so many ways that perks and all the love that we have in the service industry can give us a full and happy server life. So, you know, I feel like some of us, like, we don't know the perks right away, especially if it's your first time waiting tables that you discover as you go along. Other people, I think, dive right into it knowing full fucking well the perks that are involved. So, like, let's just run down the line. 
Fuck yeah, and dude. start with all these great things that come along with like waiting tables. Number one, flexibility. All right. So not only do we get to set our own hours for the most part, but fellow servers are always super happy to trade shifts, pick up shifts. And for the most part, I think you can make your schedule as flexible as possible. Yeah, I don't know about always. It depends on your where you work. But right. if you work in a cool ass place where people are. Once you, you gra- the- gain seniority, I think you can have more autonomy over your schedule. Yeah, because if you're new, you're probably going to get the shitty shifts and then people are less this, willing to I told to you this is going to be hard. Yeah, I, I know. I was, I was like, Andrea, you really started out so positive. We're here to pop that positivity hey man, bubble. you're going to agree with one of these. We will. No, you know what? Here's the thing too is like, I do agree if people are cool and will pick up shifts, you can... You can work as little as you want. You can have a full-time job and not show up for any of the days. Which is You can't do that with other jobs. Nope, yeah. you certainly can't. I mean, you're not making money, but no. you can choose to not make money and still keep your job. There's also shifts where, you know, I've never personally done it, but where people who it's their day off show up and be like, who wants to go home? I need to make money. Yeah. And, and someone really, will always be like, I'll fucking go home. Or my favorite thing in the entire universe. Well, not my favorite thing, but when you think you're scheduled and you show up and you realize you're not scheduled, but you're already there, and then you and that other person have a moment of camaraderie of, like, who needs this the most, who doesn't want to be here. And it's just this moment of, like, I got you, or I'm going home. Oh, and It's then, a beautiful thing. And then mm. when you realize you're going home, you yes. basically explode into a violent ball of glitter of oh, just of my happiness. I, I, you're just like, like yes! you skip. You literally like, you walk out of your job skipping. And you're like, oh, what? Yeah. And There's- then I Im- immediately go spend money. <laughs> <laughs> From the shift you didn't make money on. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, another one is, and this is one of my personal favorites, is being able to like run errands and get your shit done during Agreed. the week when all the nine to fivers and office jobbers are at work. So every place you go to is less busy. That's my favorite. I yep. was going to say this. this is my hands down favorite too, is like, you just get to see a side of life that is calm and without lines. Yeah. My Traffic mom was just, just here, and I was like, see, this is what is cool about being freelance, is we can go to Universal Studios at 9 a.m. on a Monday morning. Yeah. Like, that's, it's pretty chill, you know? It is it is a definitely a perk, because everything is way less busy. You can get so much more we stuff done. You can move things around, too. It's like you and and, and elderly people. Just mm-hmm. ruling the world during the day together. <laughs> <laughs> Just retired the retirement communities. I'm totally and fine service with industry. It. It's so quiet. You know, in LA, it's like a little less quiet because everybody here is on a weird schedule. Mm-hmm. But in Chicago, it was like I'd go to Trader Joe's at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday, and there'd be like nobody in there, dude. I, yeah, I would say the argument here about LA is, and I've always been like, how is everyone at lunch and no one has a job? Work? Like, does anyone yeah. have a job here? Next perk. It's a great side hustle. If you have a job, maybe a nine to five that isn't mm-hmm. cutting the mustard for you, a few way to make an extra buck or two to supplement income or, you know, maybe pick up a catering shift during the holidays. Perks. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who do that. And I think it's 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 great to have that um, control over making extra money. I, I knew a guy who paid off all of his credit cards by just he was just like I'm just gonna take six months and not do anything and work my regular job and then work a restaurant um, job at night. I am not that person. Yeah, but, but I I was very I was like Whoa, to that guy. That's that's really admirable. Next perk is 
waiting tables can make you money while you're busy working towards something else, whether you're in school, whether you're trying oh, yeah. to be an actor, whether you're just, you know, have the dreams of being like getting married and being a made human, who knows, you know, you can do all these things. You're working toward wait tables and still pay your fucking rent. So it's great for that. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the perk of all that too is, you know, I think what's interesting and sad is we've certainly heard about, um, this is a little overlap cause we kind of talked about all this on the last episode, but, um, like teachers and other people who it, like it's, they're disgustingly disproportionately paid very poorly for, especially the service they provide. And during the summertime, teachers will be like, and I'm picking up a restaurant job to try and compensate for the shit paycheck I get during a school year. And if that's what it takes, you know, like imagine that having a summer off, if you, if you do well with it, like say if you're in the higher tiered, like a tenured private school or something like that, great. You're taking your summer off and, and maybe you guys are, you know, you're taking like a long ass vacation or whatever. But I feel like the rest of the workforce is like, and summer job, let's go for it. So it's kind of cool that you can keep working and, and supplement a shitty year-round paycheck. Totally. But, you know, then there's also, like, the whole classic, like, actors or servers who are just waiting to be discovered as actors, you know, that whole situation. I mean, I think it's just an easier job that's easier to let go of when something else you've been working toward gets bigger. But meanwhile, oh, it's doing a great job absolutely. paying those bills. Are you kidding me? We should talk about the day we all had our last shift when Kyle is finally done. We'll see. <laughs> gonna say, sorry about that, Brooke. All right. We keep having we keep having to reinflate it's, the it's balloons close. on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. I have to replace them. It's it's my job. Um, okay. next perk. All right. You learn basic human social interaction skills, guys. Like I think. This is so important. Like, you're forced to be an extrovert, right? Yeah. So you're forced to get out there. Absolutely. Um, you almost hit that with the chair. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, yeah, I do. I think it, I think it, I think it prompts you to be able to deal with every type of person and to be able to control your um, anger and put on, I, it sounds really shitty, but to put on a smile and sort of move, move past and move through things. Um, also that, because like, you don't have time to, you just you, put on a smile and yeah. go, these people are going to be gone in like two hours. There is something to be said about like, like learn. It really does teach you how to pick and choose your battles. And you also realize pain is temporary mm. and this too shall pass. Right. Because all day, every day, every shift, you're like, ah, and then you're like, I got through it. Let's I do agree. it again. I think it's also, <laughs> you learn how to deal with different types of personalities and, and, and. All the people you meet, that you work with, that you wait on, I think you become more empathetic toward people. Uh, I would say less, but uh, absolutely my <laughs> hatred knew no bounds while I was waiting tables. And it was more like if someone was surprisingly cool, I was like, hell yeah, I got you. You're the best thing that happened you know, during this whole shift. Because people are incredibly disappointing and stupid and basic and terrible to wait on. So no, no empathy really built. Not nice even like, nice not try, even like Andrea. Long, oh, okay. Nice try. Not well, even wait. like reflecting now, like now what I've learned, like now looking back, do you feel... I literally have like three customers over 15 years who I gave a fuck about. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? What the fuck, Andrea? This one's not for Hi. Brooke. This one's not for Brooke. Well, hold on with the empathy for people word. You know, I like, listen... Like an old man dining alone on Christmas, sure. I might be slightly nicer to him, perhaps, something like that. But uh, 
That's well, about it. I, I want to ask you guys, were any of you incredibly shy in terms of getting the job and then being like, cause I was, I'm a big introvert. It's really, really hard for me to just approach strangers and speak. Like, it's my worst nightmare. So it was really, really hard to learn how to do that. I think initially I was pretty shy, very, like, Midwestern mm-hmm. shy mm-hmm. type. Um, and it depended on the job and the circumstances in terms of how big my personality would be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it de- it, at first for sure. And then the more fun and boisterous, like, working at House of Blues, that was super fun. There's music. Everybody's mm-hmm. going crazy. But, like, you work at, like, a fancier place, you might be more toned down because Absolutely. people are not wanting you to, to you know, it's like working at Dick's Last Resort compared <laughs> yes. to, you know, some fine dining spot. And so ma- have a different attitude. Right. And so maybe, maybe instead of empathy, and I'm not taking away empathy, maybe you gained so much empathy, Andrea. Maybe it's, like, nuance. You learn maybe. shifts and nuance. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I also, like... You know, I've shifted intuition. into intuition. Correct. I've also shifted into a different kind of service industry job where I'm one on one, and it's a different style. So maybe that's that's what I'm more talking about as being an esthetician. For but, sure. Um, I'm always I'm always the kind of person that's like everybody's cool until they're not cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're cool to me until you you fail at being cool. Betray me. I'm I'm always like prove it, prove it, <laughs> work for it. Because sorry, as a comedian uh, too, like being a stand-up comedian, I'm I'm jaded on that level too. Where the crowd is like, oh yeah, you think you're funny, asshole? Like everything I do is like people, you know, expecting the worst, and then you have to like prove it. So that's just my like, attitude that I embrace. Throwing fireballs into a section, and if you dodge it, you can stay. You can stay, <laughs> guys. Just check out all my inspirational quotes on the wall. Let's just oh. take a look at yeah. All right, next perk, work less hours, make more money. Mm. Something like, you know, hi, I just worked five hours, I made 300 bucks. I mean, yeah. Yes. That's, that's I've like, had a couple of really good jobs where I knew that I could go in and make smackers <laughs> for a couple of hours. I mean, my current gig, I, I, I have a higher rate, so it's like I, I will often give up a shift in order to teach a class or do something like that. And... Just knowing that I've made so much more money in a shorter amount of time is is um, erotic to me. <laughs> <laughs> Truly the best. Because you know you would get those jobs right out of the gates where you're like, it's an eight-hour shift and I made $102. Oh, yeah. And you start to do the math and you're like, I think this is a desk job. You know, I yeah. accidentally yeah. signed up for a nine-to-five on my feet. Well, that's the difference between hourlies now because, you know, now they want to do hourlies for a lot of servers, which, I mean, can help in a lot of situations. But that means that you're trying to get more hours. And that that felt like a very much a reversal for me. Yeah. yeah. I was like, no, 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 you're no, like, no. I'm trying to work as point. little as humanly possible oh, yeah. for the maximum amount of Mooney. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Mooney. I love Mooney. I love Mooney, too. Piggybacking on that... Full days, right? A little bit more of a full day. Whether you work dinner, maybe you work breakfast. If you work dinner, maybe you sleep in, you go to the gym, you have like lunch with a friend, and you watch a movie all before clocking into your shift. That being said, maybe you work breakfast, you're off by like 11 at the latest, then you have your whole GD day to yourself afterward. Right. Always with the caveat, if you don't get blackout drunk and tank it. Correct. This is all assuming you don't feel like hungover death. (laughs) 
monster. Let me, let me say also, breakfast is the worst shift. Accumulate, it's a nightmare. Uh, the the dishes are cheaper. Yeah, the people are crabby. You know, they're like unless you work at like a breakfast place. That would be my Still, one. Still, it just doesn't seem like. I don't know. I loved working breakfast when I worked in New Orleans. Oof. I mean, I would wake up six forty five, be on my bike. Riding through the French Quarter, smelling like piss. <laughs> it was like fast paced. It was like your um, hot dog burn. journey. Absolutely. It was like I was. It was turn and burn, and which I liked because it felt like it was over quicker. But mm-hmm. I would make really. I, I mean, I worked at like a breakfast spot. Mm-hmm. So there's something really, really. Um, and then I had my whole day that afterwards. too, and, and you're you're awake. So yeah, my argument would be as as like a early ass morning server because it was also so many barista jobs too. So that with me doing breakfast shifts at a lot of places, I did force myself onto that schedule because I think I've mentioned before, it was a nightmare if you went out and had a crazy night. Like that just put me in line so fast. And it, yeah, I was up at like fucking six in the morning for these shifts all the time. Opening, you hustle out, you know, worst case scenario, you got $150 and you're trying to pursue things at night, go to classes, do that whole thing. I loved it. And you walked out with so much energy, the opposite of the way I think you would feel at the end of a night shift. We totally. were just like, put a fork in me. You're I'm like, done. Oh, I'm done with the breakfast shift. I'm going to go like, I'm going to go work out. Yeah. And you would just feel great. You're like this whole, like I worked, it is one in the afternoon and I'm fucking done. So sometimes I really, really like that. It's just, you fully have to shift your whole schedule into going to, going to bed early and being up like at the ass crack of dawn, which used to be rough. Oh, I see. I love that. I know. I know. <laughs> I have, I'm quickly, I'm, 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 I'm not quickly, but trying my best to turn into an early morning person. I it's love, tough. I love mornings. I love mornings too. You all do. You're morning people. I, I never probably used sleep to in the be. latest. It's a it's a it's yeah, a newer it's thing, I would say in the past five years. Same. I don't like to waste the day. If I stay in bed past double digits, like anywhere past ten, I start I'm like, what the fuck have I done? I'm what what kind you know, I don't like beat myself up, but I start to feel weird about it. Like I'm like I'm wasting well, the day's time. just I'm gone. wasting my the, day. The day just disappears. That makes sense. So yeah, fun. especially if I'm working. I want to wake up and like have a day to myself before mm-hmm. I right. go. Have now to that work being the said, man. there are days where I sleep until ten because also my human woman brain is now like, Oh, it's seven AM, wake up. This well, is this when you dog wake up wakes now. me up every day. So <laughs> if there are days where I deserve to sleep in and it's not till 10, I'm like, oh, good for me. Like, Hell yeah. So it's, it's, it's very nice to have both of those. Um, next perk, you get to eat and learn about lots of delicious food and drink that you get for free or super cheap on a regular basis. That is true. You get to really expand and like learn about all types of things. I learned what fiddlehead ferns were, yeah. as well as ramps. When I was like, "Why is it called that? Why isn't <laughs> this onion, spring onion, called a ramp or it's a garlic? They, it's a they garlic." They build thing. all the wheelchair accessible ramps out of it, right? <laughs> right, definitely, definitely made. Yeah, yeah. Like the first time I had like a sun choke, it like blew my sun mind. Sun chokes are so good because it's similar family, like and a nice celery root puree. It's such a tasty. It's like a, such a tasty little roasted item, but it will make you fart. I was years. just gonna say it is fart city. Fart city. Super nutritious, though. Yeah, they're really good. Um, even like being, you know, back in the early days, just doing wine tastings and it might not be, might not have been the best wine then, but you get to like a little window open to like a whole little snobby wine world at such an early age. And that used to give me the most anxiety because I felt 
like I, I was the least capable in that field and, and, but your knowledge does grow and then you turn a corner and then suddenly I was excited to talk to people about wine, which was a skill that I did develop that probably wouldn't have happened had I not worked in a restaurant. I'd be out there just drinking yellowtail, <laughs> you know, with my you mom. Know, they call it that because your ass starts to turn yellow <laughs> if you drink too much of it is what I read. Next perk, you move your entire shift. You keep moving, so you, you could put like twenty thousand mm. steps on in one in one shift. Oh hell yeah! So you keep you keep those legs tight. You keep that body tight, <laughs> tight. <laughs> and then you develop plantar fasciitis, yeah, whatever it's called. That also had I that also did that happen. Point. Uh, <laughs> I am absolutely getting a three D chiropractic muscle manipulation work right now for my like my carpal tunnel from having my wrists bent back perpetually holding fifty pounds because like if I hold things at a certain angle, I look. Like I, I look real shaky because I brought this up. It really hurts early in the podcast, but I did a cartoon style whoop whoop backwards fall (laughs) with my legs bicycling in the air and landed on both of my wrists in like 2001, maybe never the same. Nope. And so, yeah, I'm getting some work done on them just in terms of trying to heal it or whatever, but it's a lot of carpal tunnel from being bent back for years. And it's just like, I can't, I I shake at certain angles and I I look like... (laughs) I look like there's something wrong with me, goddammit. <laughs> I don't want it. I want, I want it all to be gone. Uh, next perk, work with awesome, interesting people and maybe even meet some awesome, interesting people. No, well, that's a given. That's that, the best part. Yeah. The, the friends you make and my best friend in the world I met mm-hmm. at House of Blues. Is this Deb? Deb, yeah. Yeah. Little Shout Deb out dog. to Deb in trenches, Tampa. Man. So next tip I have is you, and let's end on this. Now that you know how to wait tables, you can wait tables like whenever, like you already know how to do it. If you walk away from it and something happens in your life where you have to go back to it, you already know how to do it. And you have the ability to multitask like a motherfucker. Correct. 100. 100. I think that's the biggest. And it's like people get down and yeah, I I think I've shared that like I have a lot of anxiety, like if I'm going to go back, but it's also a weird thing where it fulfills a certain weird OCD urge in me. I do love the moving. I do love the making money. Like now that I'm better at talking to people, it's sort of like, dude, it's a weird rush until well, you time get flies. Yeah. Time flies really fast. Again, you're on your feet. You have all these things. And if it's you're making money and time flies, it's good. Just efficient it's those, hustling the entire yeah. time. Oh, I just it. like knowing that no matter what, even if I'm in the depths of whatever, I can always pull myself out by getting a restaurant job. And the truth is you have, as much as you're not loving it, wanting to be there at the moment, your resume will get you in the door almost anywhere because of where you've worked. Also, don't be afraid to lie on your resume because you're smarter than you think and you can tell anybody what they want to hear. (laughs) That's a perk within a perk. At the end of the day, day, you're just waiting tables. It's not fucking rocket science. Right. Mm -hmm. And also just like tell people what they want to hear. You trust in yourself that you're a wonderful human and you can handle your shit. Cut to Andrea's resume, which is just one piece of paper that has Buca de Peppo written all over it. <laughs> it's actually just a it's a piece of a Buca de Beppo uh, red and white checkered tablecloth. Oh, oh perfect. A little, a little what, sample. What did if you I, just send them steaming lasagna? And you're like... One giant meatball. Do one, I have the job? Yeah, for sure. With my, uh, my old headshot stabbed into it with a breadstick. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's true. I did work at Buca de Beppo, in case you guys didn't know, is what these ladies are trying to say. Get that so, bell. Andrea, okay, everyone. The Buca Bell. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that was those are some good perks. Am I missing anything, or do we cover it? Uh, uh, tell us, you guys, if you're listening out there and you got perks we missed, send us. I'd, I'd love to hear. <laughs> the more, the better. It really is nice to have like positive reinforcement. We're happy yeah. to spread the word. So send yeah. us that on Instagram something. or tweet us. Yeah, if you got something nice to say. <laughs> well, look say at it you. Instagram faces. Who doesn't love a fucking hot dog, my friend? I'm. I'll eat any hot dog. Yeah, me too. And if you didn't recognize that voice and that phrase just then, I'll eat any hot dog. Well, then you don't know you're talking to our guest, Mitch Bishop. Everybody, hi, Mitch. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Thank you. You're welcome. So it was funny. We were brainstorming some guests yesterday, and the topic also of your of your show came up. And then I was like, Oh my god! And this is a compliment to you. Because you've been doing editing and a bunch of great stuff for so long, I forgot that you were Mr. Brooklyn, bartender, <laughs> for like, you were the mayor of like Atlantic. I liked to call myself the mayor yes, of Atlantic. Yes, you did. And I would tell people, and I would, if I had a map in front of me, I would tell people where my, like, where the your lines were. Yes. And your, right, yeah, yeah. exactly. So it was like Carroll Gardens, would, it would extend all the way to the water. And then um, and then if you went to Park Slope, you know, it was like as far south as Sunset Park. Sure. And as far north as like North Slope and mm-hmm. then a little bit of Fort Greene, you know. Sure. Like I had well, my areas. You, know? you, you had gerrymandered it yeah, in I your had. favor? I had. For being <laughs> the mayor. The so mayor I was going to give Marty Markowitz a, a run for his money. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're on the pod, too, because we were – I randomly uh, bumped into you. Not randomly. God, the Cubs played in L.A., so, of course, we saw yes, a lot of course. each other pregame. And I was like, oh, God, we should have you on. And then you were like, oh, my God, I fucking bartended forever in Brooklyn, so I'm glad it's all happening very quickly. Yeah, well, and then, uh, you know, I listened to the show, and then I uh, was thinking about stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, I have a million little <laughs> stories, you know? And I'm like, it's, it's so crazy because the more – the longer you do this stuff – the the more things come out and the more it kind of wears you down too. Yes, it does. Like my first few years in New York, like I was like ready to please, you know. And then after that, I mean, I should not have been bartending by the end because people were probably like, "That guy is a total prick and miserable in his life," you know. So I'd be like, "And they were right." Yeah. <laughs> more ice? What do you think this is? Antarctica? <laughs> <laughs> be like what do you what do you mean you want to drink and the people are like yeah. it's the only thing you serve here get right, the fuck right, out right. of my bar right 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 nobody comes in here and asks me for a drink treat me like a piece bartender. of shit <laughs> fuck you <laughs> how, how many years total well i bartended in um in ithaca when i went to school there and i was there for two years at that bar and that was a situation because it was my first time bartending. You could still smoke in bars. So I used to have like a lit cigarette at the end of the bar. (laughs) (laughs) And, and that was a pizza joint. They did Chicago pizzas. So that, that was my, that was my in. And, but the, 
the the kitchen was upstairs. Ugh. So there was a dumb waiter that would come down with like stacks of pizza, which inevitably the busier you were would have six pizzas stacked on it. And halfway as it was coming down, all of them would just fall on top of each other and hit the ground. <laughs> you know, and they took like <laughs> they took like fifty minutes, minutes to make. To make. Yeah. yeah, Jesus. So then you'd have to order, it, and then the kitchen people would be pissed because they'd be like, "You're moving it too fast." It's like not me, dude. I don't know. You know, you're like that's it's the up. dumbest dumb waiter. I've ever. Well, if you put all that, all that casserole pizza weight in that dumb yes. waiter, I'm like a, like a, yeah, like literally a, made that sound. A pulley system. Yes, it was a pulley to system. deliver food. I mean, sorry, this sounds like mouse trap. In the late like, '90s, of all, <laughs> like you know what I mean. This is trap. not. This is not 1842. Yeah, it's, not it's like dominoes have to have to flip into one another. Then it shoots a ping pong ball into a spatula that then throws the ping pong ball at the pulley, and then the pages are lowered. Yeah, right. And, and then fall on the ground. Yeah. So and- two questions. One was the pie any good? It was okay. It was more pan pizza than deep dish. You know what I mean? So it was just thick. And they cut them into, they had like square things. So that was their thing was like slices were squares. Hawaiian pizzas like was their, their one of their main things. And that was fine, but I don't really give a shit about Hawaiian pizza, you know? I like straight pepperoni. So it was good. I mean, look, it was Ithaca, New York. Right. It was a blues bar. And it was more of like a, a divey place. Than it was they went uh, full Chicago. They're like we're blues Chicago bar and the deep dish. Yeah, pizza. right, right. Um, and then two, what, did the pulley dumpwaiter <laughs> ever get stopped being used no, after I, this kept happening over no. and over again? No, no. I was there three years ago, and I was like, I want to check out my old haunt. You know, <laughs> go in there, and that fucking thing's still going. <gasps> That's like putting yourself into like a like a little like a little level of hell that only is you that just happens over and over and is over. It, is that maybe considered only like the second ring of hell? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a, it's a, it's it's a, a tiny hell. Correct. Well, it only got worse from there. So yeah, I think it's probably a higher level of hell. I was doing like classes at Second City, and then I started. I got some weird gig where it's like rare to do this in Chicago, where you become. I became Equity, and I was in a show for like a good six months, like eight shows a week. So I thought, I'm a real actor now. Hell yeah! When this is done, I'm heading to New York and see on Broadway, you know. And then about, uh, and then you know, I mean, New York beat the shit out of me. So and then I quit <laughs> acting like five years later, <laughs> entirely. Isn't it, isn't it so like? Uh, I'm back, baby. The trope, okay, because to me, and I'll get back on track, but just talking to so many people now for these episodes where everyone, definitely, you know, not everyone, but a handful of our guests have had some aspiration, a very positive and hopeful aspiration to do the impossible, which is be in, in theater, be in plays, maybe take that to be on television. And it's amazing that the job you do to kind of support yourself so you can have availability is one that fucking breaks your soul. And it's super restrictive it's too. It's really restrictive. And it's like restaurants suck your joy mm-hmm. out and your, and your patience and you become really bitter. And it's just like crazy to me when people do, um, manage to thrive and change, or I don't blame them th- that they're like, I full on just quit that shit. Because it's also a slog. It's also its own thankless slog. And you put those two things together, and no wonder people have, like, so much doubt and anxiety and... I mean, you're at a job, too, where, like, you really see the worst of people. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, they're already coming in, and they don't care about you. And then they're going to 
either pull some power shit on you or to make themselves feel better, whatever, or they get so drunk that they do something that is just like just inhuman. You, yeah, you're just like uh, you're. We're all animals. When you see something like this, you're like, we're all animals, and nothing means anything. And that was my. <laughs> that's what I learned from from Dostoevsky. Rest- uh, that was your phase of. Right. Yes. You just started wearing like a black cloak to work. Yeah, with sunglasses and be like, what do you want? You had a little, what do any of us want? A little Shakespearean skull with a candle sticking out the end. You're like, I'm keeping a candle burning for my acting career. Yeah, right, right, right. I'd be like, um, hey, manager, can I go to my audition? And he'd be like, no. And I'd be like, uh, okay. You know, sometimes I'd be like, okay. But you can't come in. You know what I mean? Like that was because your priorities are all messed up too. When you're 22 or I guess I was 24 when I moved to New York. And this is not true for every 24-year-old. But for me especially because I've always considered myself somewhat of a late bloomer. The – like you're – like the power thing is like you will literally respect the power thing that you shouldn't respect that you should just be like go fuck yourself dude i didn't come here to you know hand out cheeseburgers and shitty wings like i came here to do a thing but it is the job you sought out to have and so i have thought of it from managerial standpoint too where if they don't understand or don't do it's just a very rare thing where you have management and ownership who's like, yeah, we get it. You know, we know what you came here to do. We'd like to make it flexible, but when you can't, you know, and then you have ever everywhere else is like, get the fuck out of here, you pansy actor. Like, <laughs> right. get in line. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And just on top of that, New York City and Brooklyn, just, just, just the slog of trying to survive there too. Yeah, you have to pay the bills. I mean, I remember when I, when I would, my one big bartending shift, which was Sunday nights at the Bad Dog Tavern, like, I was on a team at Improv Olympic when it was still called that in uh, Chicago and all of our shows came on Sunday and I was like, I would try to get it off, but then it was like, that would be like my only time I would make money all week. And then I ended up choosing the fucking bar and then I got like cut from the schedule and who knows I could have been the next Amy Poehler. Mitch and I have a great origin friendship story before (laughs) I ask a little bit more about bartending at last exit and the bell house and all those places. I have a better, I have good stories at another place that will remain nameless. Cause I, I, if we talk, cause I'm afraid that guy will sue you. Got it. I mean, yeah, no, we, cause he's such a, prick you know absolutely and you are always welcome to not name names and if yeah. anything i just said out loud no 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 those, those are ones fine. are fine yeah, okay, those great. are great i had good experiences there i'm trying to get a lawsuit because we'll get more attention <laughs> um but uh so mitch and i we met in like 2000 i want to say 2007 right and we met at a verizon, a verizon store, store while we were waiting for the guy who owns the verizon store to get off the fucking phone with whoever he's talking to for a half hour and her and I just sat there and like stared at each other and just like, we're like, hi, I'm Mitch. Hi, I'm Brooke. <laughs> and we started. And so then she's like, I'm a comedian. I'm a comedian, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, you know, I got to be honest with you. And I was just like, I had the fucking craziest night at a party <laughs> last night. And I was just like, uh, I got cornered by this girl who she's just really overbearing like blah 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 and it was like she's the one who told me all this information about the guy she's dated like like a long story short I went into great detail about being like almost fought by someone who you got cornered and I'm gonna be careful who who said stuff to you and then told and then I repeated it to the boyfriend what 
the girl, I was like, oh, be careful. You know, so-and-so is like telling everybody, you know, about your big D or something like that. And then she went after you. And then she went after me. And <laughs> I know, this, I know this story. And it's pretty great. And we're being a little, little cautious with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, good for, I'm still But then the way I was describing the person, Mitch was like, oh, wow. I know who that is. <laughs> I and just he, said it on the first And then try. boom, found out he knew exactly who I was talking about upon us meeting in a Verizon store. And they went to college with these people. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then I could not not see you in random parts of Brooklyn at any odd given time. We would bump into each other on the street all the time. And then I was like, I think we're supposed to be friends. My favorite was one time I ran into you coming out of a wine store with like literally a handle (laughs) of, of wine. And you were like caught, like you had, you were like, uh, like, oh, like you were caught. And I was like, you're going to drink then? You're like, well, this isn't just for tonight. I mean, I'm going to like, <laughs> and, then, and I feel like we bonded hard over that. Oh, that sounds so correct. I was probably living above the wine store at that point too. <laughs> so that was also problematic because they had a punch card. And if you worked I really hard, wine store. I loved Adam. I loved Polish Adam. Fun was, fact, yes, always carry in Los Angeles. I see Mitch all over the you place. Do. We see each other all the time. I know. He <laughs> is, uh, he's sort of like the black hole of like, Fun. That's, we all get like. Sucked can I into use the, that quote on my one sheet? Absolutely. He's a black <laughs> hole like of fun. Black hole of fun. But I do think you're the new Kevin Bacon. <laughs> in terms of six degrees, six of, degrees of Mitch. Oh man, I wish. But um, yeah, and then so Mitch went on to bartend. I was definitely waiting tables. We were both, you know, I think I was pursuing comedy, and you had taken a break for a bit. But you've <clears> yeah, I was. I was pretty burnt out yeah. at that point. And then, um, and I would just sort of, I started kind of just hanging out with comedians because mm-hmm. I liked the vibe and they liked to drink. And also like you were funny and um, I don't know, can we mention like George or something? Yeah, like of that? course. Like, no, we so want like, him on the, he's still bartending and he just got tipped in lotto tickets this week. I saw really? that. I fucking love George. <laughs> he's he's like when, I, when I would have come visit. I don't know if you, you and I ever met when I came to visit. It's very possible so. we were like drinking in the same yeah. venue. But me, Mitch and George kind of became a Brooklyn trio. Aww. Right. And so I would go see their shows and then I'd come you know, I just like hung around like the comedians a lot because I liked it, and I think I, I think I, I was so um, my self confidence as far as acting and comedy and stuff was so low at that point that you're just like maybe some of it'll just like like maybe I could just smell the sweat and have a funny <laughs> joke one day, you know. But hang I think we with. liked you too, though, because like you know your vibe vibed with us too. You yeah, weren't yeah. one of the typical grumpy ass bartenders like at the <laughs> Bell House. Um, where it really took a lot of work to get them. To, yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm here three times a week. Please be nice to me. Right. I just want a water. Is it okay? Don't oh. shout at me. Tell me it's over at the corner of the bar again. Oh, I know. Well, I learned that lesson. When you get yelled at once, you remember where the water is. Yeah, right. So after I moved to New York, I got I could not get a waitering job or a bartending job. And everybody was like, you need a thousand years experience and like this is a real thing you know what i mean right and so i went out with a friend of mine from college and his boyfriend was like here just when we're done here eating let's go to the bar i work at and he came in and he goes um to the manager he says you gotta hire this guy and the manager was like all right and so i got a job at this place in the west village and it was if only we had networks and connects like that but it acting mm. i mean rich studio execs going seriously. you gotta hire this guy in the restaurant world <laughs> we're hooked up, yeah you know? right <laughs> oh, i think it shit. does happen just not where we hang out not where we <laughs> hang out not at all but um so there's this terrible place in the west village but it was a great group of people mm-hmm. and um i mean it's different brooklyn was like a 
working in Brooklyn was so nice mm-hmm. because there's more of a community, the same people come to the bar, especially, and then there's working in a bar that doesn't have food, which is a totally other thing. When you waiter or waitress or whatever, uh, serve or host or shot girl, anything like that, like there is a different, people treat you a very different way. Mm -hmm. And um, a bartender feels like they are the host of the show, the in control of the show. Yeah, totally in charge. And And they are. And they are. And, but a waiter, it's like, they would like, they're like, you do nothing for me. You're shit. You know what I mean? So that's how I was felt as a waiter. Like people were like, people were like, this is too cold. Now it's too hot. I'm not paying for this. You yes. only want a credit card. Cause you don't trust, uh, that I'm going to, that I'm going to walk out of here. And it's like, no, we literally get a credit card from everybody, you right. know, but people felt like a license to say whatever they wanted to, to a waiter. Of course. Any time of the, you know. trust me we've explored this yeah yeah right right so um all i wanted to do was bartend Mm -hmm. and they would they'd be like sure but you can only bartend during the days and then you have to wait at night Mm. so i would wait and and it was set up a cot in this place (sighs) were you there all the fucking time all the time i was there six days a week wow yeah they had me working six days a week even when i asked for i was i had food poisoning or something I, i felt sick and i was doubled over here's the other thing about me when i bartended and i'll just say this Blanketly, no matter where I've worked, all my regulars are always the people that other people are like, we need to 86 this weird, creepy guy. (laughs) And they'd be like, how does this guy know inside baseball about our place? Right. And I'd look over and go, that's one of my regulars. So I always had the misfit toys, which show up during my thing. Like the guy who's – one guy in Brooklyn, he would always drink vodka on the rocks, stare like at the certain point in the wall and talk whether somebody was there to listen to him or not. And one of the things he – he ended up leaving Brooklyn because he met a young girl. <laughs> he put the quotation I put quote marks because I'm like, I think she might have been 18, but I have no idea. He was a, he was a military guy and he went to Brazil oh. to, because he'd been – talking to this girl online and he, he was going up, to marry he, her. He broke up with the wall. He and the wall had <laughs> yeah, falling right, out. Right, right. That little hole right. he put a lot into. Yeah. He, he did whisper, I'm going to miss you to the piece, <laughs> to the spot on the wall when he left the last time. But yeah, I was just like, oh my God. He was moving down there with his mom to meet this girl to marry her, I guess. And I had no idea. I mean, I just, look at if you're, Put money in the register. What do I care? I can stare at you all day right, long. And, right, You know? Yeah. Another weirdo's just going to take that bar seat place. Yeah. Anybody sitting here? Yeah. <laughs> I guess you know. <laughs> if you can put the machete down. A uh, requirement of sitting in the seat is, yeah, you have to stare right here. Uh. <laughs> so I always had the weirdos. So so things would happen on my shifts that were out of control. I'll give you one example. <clears throat> when I was waitering, it was a really busy night. It was like a Saturday night, and I had these women who were very attractive, and but they looked kind of like moms. Like they didn't look like anything, you know, special. They're just well put together, like moms. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "We want uh, this place had a dungeon." <laughs> I'm doing quotes. It literally was it's like a basement with like a an eating area, and people had heard about this, I guess, online. So they would say, "We'd like to eat in the dungeon." I said, "Okay." So put them in the dungeon and I come down there at some point and they're like doing like stripper dances and oh. stuff and they're 
pulling out their tits. Oh, baby. And I'm like, I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. So I go up to the manager and I say to the manager, hey, I've got these women down here. You know the ones that came in early? Yeah. With the guy, there was like one guy and three women. And I was like, they're pulling out their tits now. She says, well, you have to go down there and stop it. So I run down there and I'm like, hey, I don't. And now, I'm, now when I go down there the second time, they're, they're not only taking their tassels, but guys are like sitting in chairs. They're like straddling them with dollars in their <gasps> hands. And the shot girl's got her tits out. And the security guy's standing there waiting for his turn with money in his hand. <laughs> how many people? They haven't even ordered yet. Like how many tables are in the dungeon? There's like five. And I think like two of them are getting up to leave because, because this ruckus? is going on. Yeah, the because, titty ruckus? Because all of a sudden I've got a strip club going on in the dungeon. So I, so then, so I'm like, well, it's out of control now, you know? So I go up to the manager. I go, listen. And you go back upstairs. Uh, one. Yeah. Uh, hey, you mind coming down here for a second? <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of like, I don't really have control of this situation. And he comes down and he sees what's going on. He goes, it's fine. <gasps> so then, so I'm like, listen, I, I don't want to get in trouble. And the woman says, we're doing this for you. But I guess uh. what she was doing was she was basically like, getting tips from all the guys and then they were just going to use that as my tips so they were stripping for my tips what tits for tips tits, tits, for, tips, tips yeah. for tips for tips so they were like taking out their breasts they were putting them on people's heads they were doing dances. why haven't i been doing this for years <laughs> i'm I'm slit between horror and brilliance. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, at some point when I saw like the security guy down there and the shot girl was in it, I was like, I guess I'm just going to. You're like, well, I don't want to be the party pooper. Yeah. And also. Like, We're fun moms. You can pull out your tits too, bait, <laughs> sweetie. Honey, it's a safe space. I don't want to. That'll be $5. That'll be $5 <laughs> to see this mom tit. <laughs> so it's, apparently they were dancers from Maryland. And they were in town and they just were like, I guess they were going to museums and stripping for the money there. And I listen, I have no problem with it. I thought it was I thought it was kind of great after the fact, but I was like petrified because I thought, well, God, if a cop's in here, if my manager fires me because well, I can't get things because under control. There's money exchange for yeah. even though it's not necessarily a sexual act, but you, you know, as we all know, you, you can't have the titty out. Only in designated spaces. Right. Right. So yeah, and maybe near Central Park they would have to like motorboat for Guggenheim. For Guggenheim. Mission. Or like, even though they um, were in the MoMA, they're like, we're the we're moms. It's a mom's trip to the MoMA, yeah, and right. we just want to whip out our boobs for then. Everyone's like, I'll it's show ya, show ya for the MoMA. I'm trying I, to make it I work. I know, I know. But I, I love that they start this like we're going to jump this cronut line now. <laughs> they do this whole side hustle, and then someone's like, it's free on Tuesday, you assholes. <laughs> oh yeah, put your tit right. away. Put your tit away, it's lady. It's free today. Do you want me to dance? We were hanging out, and neither of us were on the shift. You, me, and George mm -hmm. were hanging Do you out. Remember at our bar. name, by the way, our gang name. The 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 grapple dumpling gang. Yes. Oh my oh. god. I don't. It was a lot of inside jokes because we were t joking that we were going to grapple use a grappling hook to get over something. I don't remember the reason. I just remember the name. The grapple dumpling. The gang. grapple dumpling gang. I don't really get it either. <laughs> but yeah, nobody, the, the night that I got trapped in the in the double arm bar. That's the arm bar night. Though. Arm bar night. Yeah. yeah. So. It was the Lincoln, or where was that? That was in Flatbush, the bar. It was uh, in like Leffert. Leffert's Carroll Gardens or whatever something the, like that. Whatever, you had to like Leffert. walk Other through the scary. Other side of the park, yes. Like, I think I walked to the park to get there, and I was like, guys, let's walk through the park. And you guys were like, no. No, we're not you, walking we through. don't we're walk through that around. park. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, at night. You no, got I double know. arm barred by the manager. 
Um, oh yeah. So, and we coined, we coined aggressive, uh, moves that men do when they hit on you while you're standing at a bar as a female. And cause I think I was sort of like, I don't want to talk to you, like have my back against the bar. And so when you have a drink and you're getting smaller and smaller, cause this person's taking all your personal space as is. And then imagine this, the arm goes out on the one side. So the arm is now like, so now you're like in a semi- Semi situation where yeah. there's an arm trapping you against the bar on if one side. If you add side. the sound, that's like shoom. <laughs> so the one right goes now. like like a latch, you know, locking it yeah. or like yeah, like the cell yeah. shutting. So now you've exactly. got one I'm one like, one exit exactly. So and you're I can only at the go bar right with your back against the bar. Yep. The guy's on you. Boom. Boom. So you've got one out. And I am fully not picking up what he's laying down. I'm sort of like leave me alone. But also I got a bar stool, which you don't want to give those up. Fuck that. Yeah. And then he pulled a double arm bar, yeah. and then it was like whoosh. Whoa. So so now I'm like sitting, you know, and you guys were cackling and not coming to save me. And you were like, you're just catching dicks left and right, Van yeah, Poppel. Well, there's so, there is also like there is sometimes you don't want to interrupt if you're not sure that the situation is not an interruptible thing. But once I saw that second arm go up, <laughs> then him and I just started getting a real big kick out of it because we're like, look at how this guy is like literally trapping her. And then we referred to it as that when they get closer to you after you're in a double arm bar, we call it the boner cage. <laughs> And that's that's when your guy friends or your girlfriends definitely need have to, to come. That's when the grapple dumpling in, yeah. gang kicks into kicks action. action. The boner cage. Yeah, the you came up with cage. you were like, I was in the boner cage, guys, and we just <laughs> died. You were like, what the fuck? You were so mad at us because <laughs> we didn't save you, but. I mean, we didn't know. You had a great set. And then here's the yeah. guy, and he's, he's and talking set, to you. He means comedy, not not boobs, but both. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you. Just want to be clear. It was a comedy set. Yes, uh, it was a comedy set. You did a great you did a great set of comedy. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, who knew? I mean, I didn't know if it was business or something. But, well, yeah, once we saw that second arm go up, we're I'm like, all right, we got to get like out of here. having, like, a hard time. With his two arms, how he's not just like so close he's to you. He's so at that close. Point. I it's think, not okay. Here's I think actually now that I'm thinking about it, you might have been like closer to the corner, so he might have done like a corner, a corner double arm like bar. A, oh, like so a, it was like a, an a angle, <laughs> or maybe there's like the the brass like cocktail server like rail out the there. Handle, and he like puts right. you right by that. And he puts one hand on that. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like you're trying, you're like trying to triangle. I have somewhat short arms, so if I arm barred somebody, put him in the boner cage, I would literally be like in their face. Yeah, like like yeah. it's happening at that point, <laughs> and it's not you know what I mean. But for him, it was like it, it's it seemed like it wasn't the first boner cage he's put someone no. in. No, <laughs> are there any takeaways that you think the service industry has like imbued on you, have given you a life skill that you think is useful as you keep going? Yeah, I would say um, <clears throat> I think I think uh, once you get out of the fog of losing all your empathy for people who you. Um, feel like are just the scum of the earth, then you realize that like, um, we are all kind of just animals. I think I said it earlier a little yes. bit. They are all just kind of animals and like we, we all have the capacity to, um, kind of lose it <laughs> like that in this, <laughs> yes. in the way. So I'm like overly conscious, of course, like when I go serving, when I, I think it's, I think it's a good I won't say it's as good a character building as like Habitat for Humanity. No, but I will no, say right. that like dodging and weaving people in the in the service industry for you know a good fifteen years has taught me to just deal with people, respect people, understand people, and also when I'm on the other side, make goddamn sure that I don't treat people the way I've been treated. Hell, fucking, which idiot. which is which is my takeaway from 
before is like in the in once you're done and and then like the fucking smoke is cleared and you can see what your career was as a server how jaded you were at the end of it the skills you get to relate to people are 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 great because i burnt out you know and then i worked another four years in the in the industry so (laughs) i like i i i feel like if i ever like you know like an aa where they do the they ask for forgiveness from people that they've wronged it's like i would have just a a list that could go around the world of people I should probably apologize to <laughs> for being mean because you were unhappy and stayed too long. Mean, disrespectful, shouted at, you know, told them to get out of the bar, whatever. Overreacted. Um, but these are the dumb. people because it is kind of like if you were to apologize, they'd be like, "Wait, what? were you what?" Like no, nobody yeah. remembers because yeah. they're drunk. drunk. Yeah, they don't care. Here's a tip. Don't get stoned before your shift, and I'll tell you why. It may seem like a really good idea, and getting stoned's always fun, but the time will go longer, and <laughs> and you will have fun for about an hour and a half, and then you're sitting there for another four to six hours, and the time will tick away so slowly. Tip Here's us. a tip. I really think investing in global entry for when you're traveling, even if you only do it a couple times a year, makes all of the difference. Because right now with congestion happening at airports all around, it's your only guarantee that you will make your flight. Um, Unless you're in a very small airport. I have now several times made my flight, thankfully, because I could get through the line and also clear is that a lot of ma- major clear. airports? So I have both of those now. And what Clear does is it puts you to the front of the line no matter what. It scans your retina first. And yes. then it puts you at the front of the line. So I'm never going to do 23andMe because all of my chromosomes are in Clear. Yeah. 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 I did they Clear last year yeah. when I was traveling a lot. And it really saves you so much time. So you can front of the line and um, pre-check with yes. Clear? Yes. Whoa. It's, it's like. And they have introductory like, offers. You know, my my beat up rolly suitcase may say one thing, but my clear and global entry say another. Oh, it's yeah, so baby. badass Girl, to walk I, in the front of like 200 Denver people Airport. Denver Airport's one of them. That's where I was working out of. They're Whoa. pushing it super yeah. hard Ooh, at right. PWI yeah. when we were there too inside of, it's outside worth of Baltimore. It. There's just something about TSA pre-check generally though when it's not busy, you just fucking cry. Well, you do, aunt, what I didn't aunt. know is you don't have to take stuff out of your bag. And yeah. I travel with like a camera right. mm-hmm. and a, a laptop all the time. And it's it cuts your time in, in half. And if you have a travel companion that is not cleared, you can typically, they can go through with you. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. If you're flying together, they will, they will, especially like if you have kids or like a partner or yeah. but if you have a travel companion, I believe they can go right through with you. I I wish I have I did it 10 years ago. Like even if you travel twice a year, it makes your travel day so much more convenient. Like I'm going to get it for my mom or I'm going to make her get it because Ooh, yeah, she's yeah, going to have to yeah. do her own her own online but application. But it's very it's very easy. It's yeah. very easy to do. And it's $100 for 5 years, boom. Yeah, it's a little bit more expensive now. Oh, I think I cuz I did global. Yeah, I Global's global like was- 160. Mhm. But the Chase Sapphire Reserve card you pays get a hundred dollars off. Yes, weird. That's a hundred dollars. Anyway, I guess, hey, everyone learn how to learn how to fucking travel like a pro. It's worth looking it's into. It's really worth it. I did not. I always wanted to travel like you know a wood gnome, but now <laughs> now I'm a prince. <laughs> Congrats! That's a great tip. That's a good one. All right. 
Hey guys, if you like what you have heard here today, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram at Sidework Podcast. We'd love to hear your server submitted stories or any fun facts you might have about being a server. Subscribe to this shit. And thank you everyone who's written really rad reviews so far. It, it means a lot. It's been so cool to uh, see this feedback. People are people are relating. I think they people like are feeling us. our pain. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. And until then, Godspeed and good tips. Hell yeah, Amanda.